2: It's time for the Life Writing podcast with your hosts, authors, and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reeve Dew. All about creating the project of your dreams while living a balanced artist life. Be the hero or heroine of your own story. Sponsored by LifeWritingPremium.com. Get ready to write for your life.
0: Welcome to the Life Writing Podcast where married authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes
2: and Tanana Ree do talk about writing during stressful times, breaking into Hollywood and balancing life.
0: Every week we'll share more tips on how to build a better life while you create your dream projects
2: even if it's only at the rate of one sentence a day. Life writing is the application of the tools of writing to life and the tools of life to your writing.
0: Heyo! Here we are. How you doing, darling?
2: Doing fine. Doing Good fine.
0: to see you. We um, have yeah. so much to talk about today. You know, I, had, I
2: had lunch with an old friend who works in the industry. He's a director and special effects guy, named Robert Stad. Old training buddy, martial arts and personal development stuff. And it was just great to catch up with him and catch up. That's yeah, well,
0: catch up. To... You say we're catching up. Cat- it's time to catch up. It's time to catch up. I'm a live-ending podcast. What's going on? <laughs> That's right. Great to catch up with you. Okay, sorry. We, we, I like the catch-up theme music because it's happy.
2: I didn't even know we had catch-up theme music. That is our catch-up music, music, but I didn't know it specifically. It's catch our
0: catch-up. This is the portion All of the right. podcast every day where, we, before we get to the topic, which is, by the way, the main topic, will be the joys and necessities of keeping it short writing short stories and short scripts and we have lots of reasons why but before that as I said we're catching up and I'm so sorry that was so rude of that choir to interrupt you (laughs) please do go on
2: oh all right you guys are pathetic that was rude So, at any rate, we had a chance to talk about the industry and creativity and life and martial arts and growth and the pandemic and politics and all sorts of interesting things. Just, It's just good to have the world starting to move back towards normal, where we can interact with the people that we care about and without... Worrying about infecting them and turning in into brain eating zombies, right? Because um, that's really what we're coming out of. Of course, is the zombie the zombie pandemic. Um, well, people, as long as it we was stay covered boosted. up in the media, but yeah. That's really what we were dealing with. Yeah. The Living dead, and so seems if, that way. Many of them might have even voted on Moss, but we won't.
0: Ooh. <laughs> we, won't we won't talk about that. <laughs> That's the zombies at the polls. So You'll you recognize polls. that if you if you hear it.
2: That's right. They didn't say said that there were dead people voting, but they didn't say that there were undead. People voting. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, so that was really good. It just kind of re- reminded me that that as we enter into this news phase of our lives, because make no mistake, that's that's what we're doing: the new house, new possibilities, new career potentials. New Uh, booster shots scheduled. New booster shots. We're getting, you know, getting new booster shots on Saturday. It's important that you check and be sure that you're the new, you're a new person too. You know, that you're a a new and fresh, updated expression of who it is that you are. Because you can't meet tomorrow's challenges with yesterday's resources. You Uh you need, you need to be sure that who you are on the inside matches what it is that you're trying to create on the outside. And so that was, that was really good. So what's happening with you just today and then we'll go into the week.
0: Somebody came to preach today. No, nothing to really (laughs) talk about today. I mean, I'm all about Halloween. I mean, screw today. We had an amazing Halloween weekend. Oh, holy. I cannot even express. Well, first of all, let's talk about the neighborhood. We have moved into a neighborhood where our landlord was like, this neighborhood's really into Halloween, so be sure to get a lot of candy. And we're like, okay, check, lots of candy. Really into Halloween did not capture how crazy this neighborhood is. I mean, it's sleepy and quiet. Like, I'm all worried about making loud noises at night. or These people... <laughs> <laughs> they lose their minds at Halloween. It was, there was a traffic jam, a line around the corner to see a haunted house on the other block. I mean, hordes of kids. We were just getting like a, a little stream off of the river of kids because we were not, we we're like right off the main drag. But man, it was really something.
2: It really was. And if, if we had put up a a glowing sign, maybe we get a battery-powered sign pointing them towards our house or something yeah. like that. Next year, we could have gotten, we could have had a thousand people. As it was, we had a couple hundred at least.
0: We didn't want, yeah, it's, it's a lot. And then to top things off, as if that wasn't incredible enough, the night before, we had been invited to a Halloween party. I don't
2: think he would mind us
0: saying. I don't, was, well, I don't did, think we
2: should give names.
0: Okay, no names, but he's an actor.
2: Yeah. If you've seen superhero movies, you may well have seen this actor.
0: Right, and he's very much into horror. Um and that's where I met him, at several like horror functions, you know, where we're both hosts or we're both judges or something like that or co-panelists. So I've been seeing him around and he's also a friend of a friend. So we got we scored is the only way to put it, an invite to this Halloween party. And short of having uh, circus aerialists, it was, <laughs> and, and probably just because I didn't think of it, it was incredible. I mean, it was, it it, it had a marionette show. It, it had a magic show. I'm still blown away by the magic show. Like, like I'm a little kid watching this magician doing things that seem impossible. And we're all like, by the end, people were yelling, witch,
2: burn him, witch. <laughs> the thing is like, I've studied magic a bit. And actually, I enjoy being on the mailing list <clears throat> for magic companies. They'll send you videos of tricks, and then you can you can buy them. And a lot of them are downloads.
0: Yeah, you've uh, been practicing some of those. Yeah,
2: yeah practicing some of them. I, it, it, most of what magic is, is practicing some small thing far more than anybody thinks it would be sane to do. Hmm. You know, that, that most of magic is preparation on a level that that the audience just has no idea of. I read one thing where a guy was demonstrated some trick with cards that seems impossible. And he kind of shook his head and he said, In the time it took me to learn this trick, I could have become a brain surgeon. You wow. know, that, that it's most, and I think that most, you know, the, the, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. I think the same thing is true with any number of different skills in life that. The higher levels of them are just people who spent more obsessive time than you did, or mm. and the people who are the best spent more obsessive time than other people in their field did. And you know, you can say what you want to about talent, all you want, but people generally point to people who seemed to be, you know, experts coming out of the box. They were just always better at it. You're not paying attention to what they did before they got to you. you know, what what they learned before they got to you. The general rule, it's not completely true. The general rule is the person who spends the most time and energy doing something is the best. Mm. That's not true across the board. But if you treat it that way, every champion that I can think of, their, their philosophy is that while they're sleeping, somebody else is training on the other side of the world. And so, you know, they will get less sleep, they will work more, they'll do this, they'll do that. And you can say, I'm not willing to invest the time and energy to be magic. But I think that it's critical to not blame the world. It's critical to not say, I just didn't have the talent. I just didn't have the ability. That's why I'm not good. That's why I chose to do... a a dozen different things, none of which I'm particularly good at, rather than putting all that time and energy focused on one thing and getting good enough at it that it can support me and my family. Excellence generally seems to be the result of obsession.
1: It Mm -hmm. seems
2: to be the result of this person spent two hours a day at this for 20 years. Of course, they're excellent. You know, I think that it is comforting to people to believe in talent when they then can use that as an excuse for why they don't try.
0: Wow, and I thought it was just a fun party, and it's all philosophical well because but no looking, it's true
2: now I was looking at what at what this guy was doing, and I have some ideas about how he did much of it, but all of those ideas are about a deep knowledge of human psychology, a ton of practice you know willingness to put yourself out there and look look like a fool, you know, and practice practice practice, 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 practice. To the degree that the people watching it, it that's magic. You know Let me let
0: me tell you like one of the tricks was like, okay, we're picking a book. It was Stephen King's The Shining. You woman at random. Take this book, open it to any page. Okay, she opens it to you get the page. Yeah, I've got the page. Okay, now slide your finger about halfway down the page. Let me know when you're there. Okay, I'm halfway down the page. Choose one word. Have you visualized the word? Yes, I visualize. Okay. Keep it in your mind. It's a short word, isn't it? She's like, oh, yeah, it is. And he dug, I mean, he guessed, and not a typical word, by the way. It's not like a word in every other sentence. It's not and or of or but. Okay. It was a very specific word. And everybody was floored. Just yeah. unreal. Just <laughs> unreal. So fun. There
2: are probably a dozen different ways to do that trick. My suspicion is that he was playing. Honestly, he wasn't using a gimmick. He could have used a gimmick of some kind.
0: Yeah, maybe. But my
2: suspicion is that he was reading her body language and eye movement and listening to the tonalities in her answers and sussed it out. You know, I I, there are salespeople, marketers, you know, rug merchants who can do that. Mediums do that when, you know, cold readings, you know, reading the room. There's a certain politician who's really good at, at... Listening to what audiences want and parroting it back to them in a way that excites them. Yeah. That that there are, that these are, are skills and you can break them down and learn them, but you have to, well, to to transition to our today's theme, you have to start small. You have to start with a piece of it and master a piece of it and get that until you've got it magical. Then you add a little bit. Then you expand a little bit. This is just recently uh, we're doing the uh, the Tai Chi online Tai Chi mm-hmm. workshop at firedancetai dot com. I love it. People talk about how you know they get to the sixth move and they're getting stuck. It's getting too complicated. That's fine. Go back. Just do that. Those six movements. Loop them. Trying to learn them until if they're utterly automatic and until you have. A drive to go further, you know, you're starting to get confused. All that means is that you've moved beyond the level where the challenge is comfortable. It's like boredom is there's too much, is not enough challenge, confusion and fear is there's too much challenge. The flow state, which is the doorway to high level performance and genius in many ways, is between too much and not enough challenge. Mm -hmm. So, you, you. Take a small piece of that trick that he was doing. You know, he doesn't try to do a whole routine. He's going to do a piece of it, you know, and work on that until he's right 80% of the time. Then you add a little complexity and you work on that until you get it 80%. Well, of the time.
0: that's certainly what my approach is because I'm learning I don't have a natural gift for choreography. <laughs> so I'm really having to concentrate and focus and use a lot of repetition to try to remember the, the Tai Chi poses, the transitions between the poses. And it's it's a great challenge, but you're right. I am absolutely starting small, doing the first over and over and over and over again to the point of even embarrassment personally. But I can't wait to hopefully show off to you. You know, I want to show well, off to you at that, least once a week.
2: Absolutely. And the whole thing, when you say embarrassment, you have to ask yourself, what is your self image? What are the voices in your head mm. such that you feel embarrassment as opposed to say curiosity, right? Or pride? Well, that, I'm just used to
0: being able to like, like study something and do it, you know, but
2: you do understand <laughs> that, that, that feeling of, I should be able to do this. First of all, run it past the three gates. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it useful?
0: Are there any other gates?
2: No, those are the those are the three. Okay, well then I guess <laughs> those not. Are the three is I guess not, then. Is you know there is no reason that you should know this. There is no reason you should be able to do this. And and when you beat yourself up for not being good at something that there is no reason that you should have been good at, think ask yourself how many other arenas in life where you, you stopped trying because it wasn't easy, and your self image said, "Well, I'm brilliant and I can do anything." So when you try to do something new and you don't. And you're not good at it. You don't continue until you can reach that level of unconscious competence, and it's the level of unconscious competence where flow comes in. So, all right,
0: inner barrier broken. Inner barrier,
2: yeah, broken. That's right, That's absolutely right.
0: broken. So, so, yes, you know, and
2: you, So you can use that. You can use any. I believe in taking small things, small steps. And mastering the small steps, and then add, adding another step, and mastering that, and then integrating them—it's like you're 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 trying to ride a bicycle. There is you know balancing the handlebars, and there's feet on the on on the pedals, and there's where how do you sit, and how what's my posture, and what am I doing with the traffic, and there are all these different things. And the human brain can handle seven plus or minus two pieces of information at a time. What happens though is if slow you slow
0: down with the math, Bucko.
2: Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Between five and nine pieces of information at a time. No. Okay, So what happens is that the more time you do those things, eventually one day you'll notice that you're riding the bicycle and you're paying attention to the flowers. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. And all those other pieces of it got subsumed into the category, riding a bicycle. Instead of being a dozen separate tasks, it's all riding a bicycle. And you know how to do that. So it all got got chunked into that category. And learning how to do that in any arena, so you know, Masashi Miyamoto says, learn one thing, know one thing, know 10,000 things. Once you understand that, you'll see it everywhere. And you're going to see it in what our subject today is going to be.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, we've had so many, I keep using the word amazing. Let me try not to say amazing, but we've had such strong guests especially during Halloween and leading up to Halloween, we had Cassandra Peterson, Elvira. We had Wynne Rosenfeld, the president of Monkey Paw Productions. We we have so many great guests, and sometimes we veer a little bit away from kind of the nuts and bolts of what this podcast is about, what gave birth to it, which is writing tips for writers and also tips on the writer's life. And one of the things that we teach in our Life Writing Premium course, which is the sponsor of this at www.lifewritingpremium.com, is not just sort of this basic thing, even if you only have time to write one sentence a day, that is way better than nothing. And that is huge. I can't tell you how many things that has gotten me through. But beyond that, and especially as someone who taught in an MFA program for more than 10 years. I taught at Antioch University of Los Angeles and Santa Barbara, both prose and screenwriting. This advice, I think, is for everyone who is a learning writer. You're unpublished, you're unproduced, and you are working on a novel or even a trilogy or a feature screenplay. We decided in the MFA program in Santa Barbara that we were not going to encourage students to write feature scripts at all. Every student was being asked to write short scripts, short scripts, 20, maybe 30 minutes, but learn the basic elements of screenwriting in a shorter form. And my goodness, the same is true for novels because a novel can go on for five, six, 700 pages if you don't watch yourself. And sometimes it's only a trilogy, because you couldn't contain the story in one novel and you're more interested in what's going to happen in novel three. But meanwhile, we have to suffer through novels one and two in order to get to novel three. Start, you know, short, there's, there's,
2: there's worse stuff than that. Let's say you are an unpublished writer. And I, I, to, I think I told, I don't know if I told this story, but I'm going to tell it again. I, there was a friend I had in college who wanted to be a writer and she... Said I she she had a story. short story that she yes. wanted to write. And I so remember. I said, great, you know, fantastic. And a couple of weeks later, you know, I asked her, well, how's the short story coming along? She said, well, it's getting longer. I think it's turning into a novella. I said, oh, okay, fine. A couple of months after that, I asked her, how's the novella coming along? She said, well, you know, really, it's, I think it's turning into a, into a novel. I said, oh, it's a novel, huh? And so, you know, a year or so went by. And I said, how's the novel coming along? And she said, well, it's really expanding outwards. You know, actually, it was more than a year later. She was she was living in Los Angeles. She, this was after college. She said, it's turning into a trilogy. I said, oh, a trilogy. Well, many years passed, and she moved to another state altogether. And I found myself in that state, driving near where her house was. And so, I called up and found out, and this was like 10 years later, right? You know, And and went by to see her. And feeling some trepidation, I finally asked her, well, how's the trilogy coming? And she said, oh, well, I got tired of it. But I've got a new idea for a story, and I'm working on it, but I think it's getting a little long. Mm. And as you can imagine, I never asked her about her writing again. And to my knowledge, she's never published anything. In other words, the story kept expanding on one level. It would be reasonable to look at this as the story kept expanding because she was afraid of finishing it. If she finished it then she would have to expose her ideas to the world and what if people said it wasn't any good? So it mm-hmm. was a matter of fear of failure. Fear of failure. You know, it's also lack of discipline. You know, that that in it's you know, if in the the life writing steps, the first step is write a sentence a day. The second step is finish one to four short stories per month. And there are tons of different reasons why you need to do this. And you know that that story. Still, I still feel some pain about it because no,
0: it's hard to hear.
2: It's hard to hear because if she had if she had said, "I'm going to write a short story. It's getting long. What is wrong? Why can't I discipline myself?" Then she would have known that she lacked discipline. Maybe she would have said, "I'm afraid of finishing it." Could I be afraid of finishing it? And look into that, yes, I'm insecure. I, I, I don't want to get a rejection slip. I don't want to find out that my dreams are going to go nowhere because I don't have what it takes to be a writer. If she'd said that, then she could interrogate it. What is the process of being a writer? The process of being a writer is getting a ton of rejection slips that every published writer you know, will tell you that. It is extraordinarily rare for a writer to sell the first thing that they do. I mean right. some of the a few of the very best in the field doing that, but there are tons of top level professional writers who have, you know, a stack of rejection slips. What did your teacher tell you, honey?
0: in order to be a writer you have to wallpaper your wall with rejection slips which was so useful as a visual metaphor because i could i could see oh this is just one letter and i've just put one rejection slip up on my door i would put them on the back of my door not the wall and i you know i was growing a pretty good collection and i learned to feel pride from my growing collection right yes. because even though it stung when the envelope came and it was clear that it was a rejection once i put it up on the wall
1: grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back.
2: absolutely and, and
0: that was very very meaningful and i think and i think also back to what you were saying earlier about the emotional reasons that people get lost in stories and don't finish what they write when they're writing novels or when they're writing feature scripts specifically is because they literally don't yet have sometimes the skill set to write a complete story like they haven't learned beginning middle and end They haven't learned the ebb and flow of how conflict works in a story. They haven't learned how to paint a realistic character through actions. I mean, I could, they, oh, and set, like scene construction. That's the thing that was so frustrating and disheartening to me as an instructor was how many students felt that they needed to be writing novels or even trilogies before they have learned how to construct a single scene. And that was really eye opening to me. It's like you need to learn how to create a three dimensional world, a character I care about from Jump, because you have mastered point of view. You've figured out uh, the relationship between the exposition in the scene, the action, the things that are happening in the scene, and dialogue. How to make the dialogue sound realistic, how you can create dialogue that isn't melodramatic, which means, you know, melodrama is when the characters are way more upset than the reader because the reader has no, you know, the reader's just not invested enough to care. So it just sounds like nattering back and forth as opposed to a conversation you're actually invested in and care about the outcome of. So there are the list is is so long. The list is so long just in terms of scene construction. And this is true in screenplays. There are some different imperatives in screenwriting. It's more visual storytelling. You don't get the chance to go into a character's interiority in their head. You want to fight as often as possible. The tendency to try to write long flashbacks or even short flashbacks, although a good flash pop now and then, you know, that is my jam. But it's a it's a skill that you learn. And I'm just going to make the argument, and I know some of you are listening to this going, no, I love my novel. Look, love your novel. Love your feature screenplay. Let me tell you what I did. And I've been publishing a long time. And I've had scripts produced. I can finally say that, right? (laughs) I'm working on a film treatment for a feature film. I've had the idea for some time. I've been playing around with it in my spare time. When I had an opportunity to submit a short story to an anthology called Other Terrors, which is out there right now. It's an anthology of of marginalized horror writers, and it's been out for a while. I wrote a story called Incident at Bear Creek Lodge that is the backstory to my screenplay. You can also do this, is what I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to abandon your larger project and waste all those years that you've spent working on it. Sure, keep it... Keep it active, you know, stir it around. But in terms of how about write something you can finish quickly? How about write something that you can send out for feedback quickly?
2: I mean, look, a novel is like running a marathon, but there's nothing essential. The gap between running a single lap and running a marathon is smaller than the gap between running a lap and sitting on the couch. That's (laughs) True. <laughs> that, that what you have to learn just to get started, you know, you look for the smallest unit that actually represents the whole. So a single sentence, there are ways that a single sentence contains a story. There are ways in which that is true. Because there is it it deals with tension, it, it builds, it goes somewhere. If if the tension if the sto- if the sentence does not decrease or increase the tension in your in your story, why is it there? So, it's a useful thing, but a short story is an actual finished unit. It contains all the elements, potentially, of thematics and character and poetics that you would need in a trilogy. So, if in more than that, that's just the technical stuff, that's more than that, emotionally. Finishing a story demands that you actually be able to complete something you have started. Sending the story out demands that you have control of your fear, your frustration. It demands that you do market research so you know where to send it. It starts you... Developing a relationship with professional authors. It starts you developing a relationship with a readership that might then later on demand a novel from you and want to see it.
0: It is And and also if I can just throw in something please. else in terms of beta readers, you know, it's even if you're not taking a course, or if you've already taken a course, you might have an MFA and you know better than anyone that having beta readers, advanced readers who can see the things you can't see is so important in your development as a writer.
2: You know, I it's a
0: lot easier to get someone to read a 25-page short story than a 600-page novel.
2: You know, I b- would like people to read sometimes a one-page treatment. Sure. There's you know, it's story like can, can sense. I tell you know like I there's a there's a not there's a screenplay. I'm not sure whether or not it will work. But it's an interesting idea. It will. And (laughs) I'm going to write a one-page treatment for this. As soon as I get finished with the 15, 16, 20-page short film that I'm writing from a short story that I just sold called Mummy Dearest. And Um, if you
0: could put a pin in that, notice that we're published, professional, produced writers and screenwriters who still write short scripts, who still write short stories. Absolutely.
2: Go on. on. And I still feel some trepidation about sending things out. I don't write short stories unless there's somebody who I know will look at it with a friendly eye. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, you know, I, I'm not going to, I don't send stuff randomly cold out to magazines. If I was starting my career over again, I would do that. you have not, to. It's not comfortable. He's earned the is, right
0: not to do that.
2: It is. <laughs> that's right. I've earned the right not to do that. Now it's a matter of somebody asks me for a story and I look and see if I've got something. And if I do, then I, I, make, this, I make the time to write it. I guess this is all to say that I see... Finishing and selling a short story as being the first real step. I mean, if you sell a short story, you are no longer an unpublished writer. That the instant you do that, you're not a virgin anymore. And you can't go back to that other state. You will always be somebody who had an idea, wrote it, sent it out, sold it. And that person has a piece of solid ground underneath them that they can then build on. That's a different person.
0: I um, I had a, a former coaching client who was unpublished, and I read the first 30 pages of a novel in progress. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is the best unpublished writer I've ever read. Why isn't this person wow. published yet? And I advised the exact same thing that I just did with my story, Incident at Bear Creek Lodge. I said, listen, don't abandon this novel. In fact, they were in a PhD program, so this was their their thesis work but you need to be out in the world. You I I I can't even rest knowing that you are not published yet. You need to write a short story immediately. And as it turned out, a major publisher, Akashic Books, was doing an anthology and needed a story and it and this writer was a perfect fit. I knew I heard about the anthology. I said you need to write a story for this anthology and they did it. They broke off a piece of the novel. I think it was either, I think it was a postscript to the novel, basically, mm, mm. that they turned into a standalone short story and got their first publication and a very prestigious anthology that got reviews, that got notice. To be honest, I don't even know if the novel was ever finished or published, but that short story is out there forever.
2: You know, my theory, and people are going to do what they do, but a, a conservative path to writing a novel is to write short stories until you've sold one. Write more short stories until you've sold maybe three or four, at which point start expanding the length. In other words, you can write up to the length of what you have previously published. By the time you have written short stories, novelettes, novellas until you've got hundred thousand words of them, now you're ready to write a novel.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, just in my mind that, that that's the conservative way. You, if you want to be more conservative, you might wait longer. If you are are eager and self-confident, then you know you sell, sell five or six short stories, write your novel. Mm-hmm. But I think that that missing that is you know like trying to jump across the Grand Canyon in a single leap, As opposed to finding, you know, a way to put some platforms so that you only have to leap five feet at a time. Right. It's just, it's a smaller jump, not just technically and strategically, but emotionally. If you spend a week or a month writing a short story, that's terrible to have rejected. But what if you spent three years writing a novel? The the fear not of,
0: having learned the lessons you would have learned by writing more short
2: stories. That's right. Well, even yeah. if it's good, you, yeah, can be to, you can be afraid to send it out because what if because if you if you spend three years, the voices in your head that tell you you're not good enough are also going to tell you, you have just wasted three years of your life. If you get a rejection slip, there are plenty of people who get one rejection and put that book away.
0: I did that when I wrote my first novel, The Between. I got rejected a couple places by a major agency and by a screenwriting competition. It was a novel, so that was probably already a dicey submission. And it was in a drawer for a year. I was halfway through writing My Soul to Keep, my second novel, before I really realized that I had made a mistake, you know, that I was lying to myself. I I was writing every day. I was coming home from my job and writing until I was tired every night I was doing, I was like going through the motions, but I had left out this huge, huge element, which was submission. So I was selling myself short and boom, anyway, the rest is history. I, I sent it out, but, but back to your point, that fear of rejection is so strong That even writers who know better, even published writers, okay? I'm not singling anybody out and saying I'm better or just because I'm more experienced. I hate getting rejections too. Steve just told you he hates getting rejections.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I hate getting rejections. It's
0: it's, So don't think that that's not unconsciously sometimes playing in why your project is never getting finished.
2: I have a finite amount of emotional energy. You know, that I have my insecurities and in the arts, I think you should always be trying things you haven't done before. Yes. You know, exposing something new in in within yourself. And when you do that, you should feel a little bit shy. You should feel a little bit like you don't not sure you want strangers to, to judge you. It's perfectly natural. It. Yes. But you also have to balance that with the fact that you want strangers to judge you. You want the public to see what you're doing. So you get the feedback that you need or the applause that you desire—it's this is all human stuff. If you don't leave room for your humanity in the process of creating art, in the process of of writing, you know it's a to a certain degree it's a numbers game. Which is why at the end of the the, the six steps in life writing, we say repeat this process one hundred times. Because to a certain degree, it's a numbers game. You, you, How many doors do you have to knock on to sell a vacuum cleaner? Right. How many girls do you have to ask to dance before one of them says yes and gets up and boogies with you?
0: You can um, get rejected by 10, 11, 12 people. It only takes one yes. It only takes right. one editor or one executive who rams that through the committee, transfers their enthusiasm. You right. make that – it only takes
2: one. So it the – if you think that writing a 100,000-word novel is going to move you further down the path of being a fine writer than writing 52,000-word short stories, you write 52,000-word short stories, you're going to be a hell of a writer. 52,000 really write.
0: words? That's a long, meaty, short story.
2: No, no, 52,000-word short stories.
0: Oh, that's, I'm sorry. Okay, fifty. That's right
2: yeah 5 52 thousand got,
0: it, got it. story <laughs> okay.
2: would be a novel yeah all <laughs> you know, right That's a very I, short I was, I thought, novel you
0: know very it would be like a novelette or something like that no, but it's yeah a
2: novel. You know, so, a novel you know especially if you add some illustrations i uh, um,
0: I think in pages not words so for me it's like the right. novel is 200 pages so I don't know how that translates to two uh, a novel words. is 200 pages. Yeah, a short short yeah, skinny well, novel.
2: Yeah, so 52,000 words could easily be 200 pages depending on the t- on the print size easily.
0: So, I and I want to illustrate this with an anecdote, you know. Steve and I were both experienced novelists. The first time we wanted to collaborate. And we took the opportunity to collaborate in a in a horror anthology called Dark Dreams. Oh. Uh-huh. And we decided that our very first collaboration was going to be a zombie short story. Back in those days, it was even before The Walking Dead. Zombies hadn't really been in fashion for that long. You know, for that long, they had gone out of fashion. And and we decided to write a zombie story, Danger Word. That was our first collaboration. When we wanted to crowdfund our first movie, we didn't try to crowdfund a feature film we don't have that kind of money or at least not a feature film we'd be proud of but we could crowdfund a a short film and guess what we crowdfunded danger word again it was our first collaboration as a short story and our first collaboration on a short film that we produced ourselves and even though you know it it hasn't come to a big screen near you yet (laughs) it was such a tremendous learning experience both of them but especially the film and in, in self-empowerment, seeing things on set to help inform you as a screenwriter with your dialogue and your character interactions, managing a set, things that will come in handy later when we, we staff a room or we start a series one day. We, we, we're not walking in without that experience, right. although both of us have also been on other sets, but it's just different when it's your set. It's your set. Very. And, and that film, by the way, is directed by Lucina Fisher and it's still up at w.dangerwordfilm.com on YouTube. You can watch it for free. We decided to leave it up to help inspire young filmmakers because the next step is write short and then make it. And it always kind of surprises me how many people actually work in the industry, have toiled in the industry for years, have sold script after script after script. They're professional level screenwriters and they've never had anything produced because it's very tough to get stuff over that line, especially in film. Television, it's it's easier, but that's also more collaborative. It's less you. The script is you. It's really hard to get that made. Why not make one yourself? Well, because you can't afford to make a feature, make a short, <laughs> make a short. I don't Absolutely. know why more people don't make It's so fun. I mean, it's horrible on set. You know, sets are like, it's the worst day of your life. It's the best day of your life like from hour to hour is, but you need to know that. You need to have that experience. You need to give yourself that gift. So yeah, don't get me on my high horse, but but write short and create short. And it empowers you so much to have more control, not only over your career as a young writer or a new writer, but also your emotions, because it is so satisfying to type the end, (laughs) First of all, even before you sold it, just typing the end is amazing. And it's a great feeling and everybody should have it. Why are you denying yourself that feeling? (laughs) And then secondly, when you sell something, what is better than that? That is, I mean, selling something, getting published. It's just, it's like, oh, it feels so good. It feels so good.
2: You know, if you, you know, Dove Simon's three-day film school. Which is terrific. Suggests that, you know, if you want to make a, a $50 million movie, first make a $5 million movie. If you want to do that, make a $500,000 movie. You want to do that, make a $50,000 movie. You want to do that. But you understand this, it all gets all the way down to what could I do for $50? Well, one of the things you could do for $50 is write a one act play with two people in a static location,
0: mm-hmm. like
2: My Dinner with Andre. Mm-hmm. And then you get two actors from the local film school, from the local, you know, junior college, and you pay them in donuts, and you film it on your iPhone.
0: And, and basically, if I can just interject here, mm-hmm. this concept he's talking about, if you've seen the movie Malcolm and Marie starring John David Washington and Zendaya, that's basically what this movie is. It's it's a feature, but it's a, it's a filmed stage play is what it looks like. I mean, it wasn't, I don't know if it actually was a stage play, but it it's dialogue driven. It's these two characters in various stages of conflict. You can do that on your iPhone yeah, for you can. 20 minutes, 18
2: minutes, tell a full rounded story. If you, you know, if you can do that and then you put it up on YouTube, which gives you distribution, and then you, you know, spend a few dollars driving people to it, or you appear on somebody's podcasts or whatever and get people to go and look at your movie now you can go to people in your community who have a little bit more money and say listen this is what i did for 50 bucks i'd like to raise five thousand dollars and do this bigger and if they look at it and they like what they see they might get behind you it happens it does. Um, it's happened happens every day so but you have to either you're going to ask them to just Donate their money so that you can have a, you can play or you can ask them to invest their money because you believe that you can help them, you can help them recoup that investment. That requires that you not only know how to make movies, but you either be partnered with or learn the skills of marketing and sales. Absolutely. You know, the, the question of marketing and sales relates to what you have to do with your short story. You have to research the market. You have to know what people are looking for. You have to ask what values your story has such that they're likely to match what the editor needs, what the acquisitions editor, the publisher, and their public wants. And if they think that it's a match, that their audience will enjoy it, maybe they'll buy it from you. And your career is on its way. But You have to write it. You have to finish it. You have to polish it. You have to send it out. You have to send it out to the right places. You have to have a strategy in mind and, you know, not to, not to put too fine a line on it. This is what the life writing premium program is all about is helping to support you in going from zero to 60 to get going. Just, you know, how do you how do you get started? Well, you get started by understanding the structures of fiction and the structures of how you sell fiction. And by doing a little bit of work every day and finishing your work and getting it in process and sending it out and then starting your next one and finishing that one and sending that out and starting your next one. And then when the first one gets rejected and comes back, you put it back out and you send it someplace else. And you keep this process going until you feel you feel the rhythm of your career you feel the rhythm oh this is what it is i work you know it's like the rhythm of life is you get up you eat you exercise you you work you wind down the evening you sleep you get up the next day and you do it again there's a rhythm like that with writing and we help you get into that rhythm if you've got the the inner grit if you've got the stories to tell and that's just a matter of getting in touch with your dream time it's not that hard. Everybody goes quietly insane every night. We just want to help you funnel that into stories so that we can share your nightmares or, or your dreams. At lifewritingpremium.com, that's all we're doing is taking what it is that we have learned and we've learned from others and putting it into a program where every week you will get support in continuing down that path.
0: Yeah, our, our videos, if you like this podcast, our videos on Life Writing Premium are a lot like these podcasts. We're just talking to you, giving it to you straight in terms of craft advice, writer's life. Are you struggling with writer's block, submission fear, characterization, dialogue, story? Are you afraid? We are addressing everything because we have been in exactly that place. We have been frozen. Like when I didn't send that manuscript out for so long.
2: I have sat in a corner and sobbed my eyes out because a writer I respected said that something I'd done was not fit for publication. It was not ready for publication.
0: It sucks.
2: I have had work stolen from me. Mm, have that sucks. had? I've been – I felt betrayed. I've been through all of that. But you have to find something inside you that believes that you have what it takes to make it. And you need to find a supportive community of people who will tell you the truth Who will support you and move you forward. And our online community is just wonderful for that. I'm very proud of what we of what we did there and what we're doing there. And I hope we've made it
0: clear that from what we've said in today's podcast, that right, life writing premium is not just for like brand new writers. Some of you already have MFAs, but you're in a rut because you have a job and you have a family and you're just struggling to find the time or it feels like you don't have any time to write. Life Writing Premium is a way to address that. It's weekly prompts, weekly engagement, weekly sort of reaffirmation. Yeah, I am a writer. That's right. I'm not just mom. (laughs) I'm not not just, you know, Mrs. Do or Professor Do at school or whatever. I'm a writer and I'm going to claim that and I'm going to carve out my time when that weekly module shows up. You do it when you have the time, but you also have more motivation to make the time.
2: And learning how to create motivation when you don't have it. Learning how to deal with fear or even turn fear into energy and power. Learning how to take your dreams and structure them so that your internal dreams and external dreams begin to mold together so that what you are is inhabiting the life you want to build. This is this is wonderful stuff and we really hope that if anything we're saying touches your heart that you'll take a chance and you know spend 6 weeks practicing you know doing the lessons in life writing premium and give us a chance to show you what we're talking about the program is is a 52 week program but i think that if you will actually write every day and write at least, you know, two short stories. You know, it's that in eight weeks you can write, you'll write at least two short stories. And if you will engage with this, I think you'll find out this is the best writing program you have ever seen in your life, but you have to use it. You have to work it. We cannot give it to you, but it's right here for you to take.
0: Yes. So it's www.thelifewritingpremium.com, and you know what I just realized? What did you that We're we're talking all about writing short, and maybe de-emphasizing that novel in the middle of nano write mo. <laughs> The November novel writing month, which I have to confess, you know, someone approached me about that. And I said, well, I don't know that I could be helpful because I'm not sure I have useful advice for someone who's tried to write a novel in a month. But I think I think the bigger lesson, and I'm not going to discourage anyone from doing Nano NaNoWriteMo. I think any kind of sort of celebration that tries to push you to actually put out those pages, put out that content, I'm 100%
2: behind it. You but know- I would just... I would just say maybe instead of a novel, you spend November working on short stories. That's all I'm going to say. No, look. What I would say, if somebody wanted to do nano writing. I would say, measure twice, cut once. Understand what the end of your novel is going to be. On make a one page treatment of what that novel is going to be. Then write towards that like a house of fire. Don't worry about how long it's going to be. But like, if you aim at, let's say 2,000 words a day, that's 60,000 words in a month. And that's doable, but it's it's a real push. So aim at a shorter novel, perhaps 50,000 words, 40,000 words. And don't worry about rewriting, just make it rough draft. Make it, you know, do... do 40,000, 50,000 words of rough draft. Keep, always keep going forward. Keep going forward. Unless you're um, like
0: me and you like to polish as you go, and that you, helps fuel your. Well, own but that idea.
2: probably would prevent you from being able to write a novel in a month. Well,
0: I just I honestly, I'm not. I'm not a believer. I'm not a yeah, believer. But all in novel I'm saying is month.
2: that then then you're not the person I'm talking to. Okay, I'm talking to somebody <laughs> who wants to do nano write mode. Yeah, but you know, and yeah. so if if that's what you want to do, you know, I wrote. I wrote a novel in two weeks once, but you better believe that I was churning out, let's see, that's 14 days. I'm churning out 5,000 words a day or something like that. And I was not paying any attention to spelling, grammar, anything. I was just getting that first draft finished. It was the the Star Trek novel.
0: I had
2: to get the whole thing written in a month. The first two weeks were nothing but... Rough draft. The next week was nothing but going back, you know, the first two weeks to create a rough draft. The next week was going through that rough draft and and correcting the basic spellings and grammars and structural things like that. And then the last week was polishing. So I wrote a novel in a month, and you know, it was sold and got paid very well for it. But, but it I could not a very, have very done
0: that. Yeah, I could professional not have done level. That
2: without staying in a flow state. It had. I had to trust my flow state. I didn't even go back and read read what I'd written the previous day.
0: And and back to our theme, you wouldn't have been able to do that if you had not been a highly experienced writer who's, no, learned, a, who's already learned already learned all the lessons you needed to learn from having written many many
2: short stories. First of all, I would have been terrified.
0: Yeah,
2: I would never have agreed to do it if I had not believed that I had the ability to do this, and I had the ability to do this because of the prior experience. But. I would say that the best thing I can say for somebody who wants to do that is to separate clearly separate the flow state and the editor state. Do not try to edit and flow at the same time. I don't even suggest you edit and flow at the same day. I would personally say don't even try to edit until you've got a first draft. But right. that's just me.
0: I know. would say don't try to edit until the next day if that helps power you. But into- you'll never
2: write a novel, you know that. In a
0: month, which why would you? <laughs>
2: Once again, you know, Except, you're ignoring uh, the
0: fact that the premise some people, is someone who wants like to it. do it. People like it, but, but I, I would just, you know, the whole, anyway, I love anything that helps motivate people to work, you know, do what you're going to do, but, but don't expect it to be a novel that won't need a lot of work
2: window
0: um, at the end of the 30 days okay but anyway that's really you our right time. you were
2: not the person to give this person advice
0: <laughs> no i'm really not that's why i had to tell them i have nothing for your participants i have nothing
2: to it, offer you except, go elsewhere young man
0: except the advice to use that motivation to work on so it should be it would be nash short story right Mo or or whatever (laughs) I don't know what you would call it but anyway thank you all for tuning in this week on the Life Writing Podcast I hope we've said something that was useful for you don't forget you can keep up the motivation with Life Writing Premium at LifeWritingPremium.com but go out and write and make yourself the hero or heroine in your own story
2: the hero in the adventure of your lifetime bye
0: everybody Bye 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 bye
2: You've been listening to the Life Writing Podcast. Join us next time for more conversations about creating the project of your dreams. For more information, go to lifewritingpremium.com and get ready to write for your life.